It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. That was a slogan that Bill Clinton used back in 1992, the U.S. presidential election. He unseated George Bush, who was very, very, very popular at the time. You see, the economy is very important. Wars are won and lost based on the economy. Nations tremble or crumble or empires crumble because of the economy. The FTSE All Share Index, which tracks so many of, of the UK's largest companies, are monitored on a minute-by-minute minute basis. And just one day's really good performance or really bad performance can determine how much money you're going to retire on. Sad but true. Money and the economy are really, really important. Of course, we know that we can't rely on the economy. We can't rely on our employers. We can't rely on our bank account. They are fair-weather friends. <laughs> They're very kind to us one day and very unkind to us the next. My sermon this morning is talking about living a simpler lifestyle, storing up treasures in heaven, kind of following on from what um, Joe um, took us through earlier. So we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, the verses 19 to 24. And can we read together, please, if you will? Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one Amen. Father, we thank you for this brilliant passage teaching us to store our treasures in heaven, not in the economy. Father, we pray that you help this passage to instruct us, to encourage us, to inspire us to do just that. See, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is contrasting the economy, what you and I know on a regular basis, to the economy of heaven. Jesus wants us to talk about 
what we treasure. So what is it that we value? What is it that you value? Some of it may be physical things, maybe tangible, maybe a house, a car, or a household item. Maybe your wine cellar. Um, or maybe intangible. Maybe your reputation. Maybe your opinion weighs heavily and it counts and is very valuable. A lot, a lot of people are very reluctant to share their opinions just because of the fact that they're paid so much money for it. Or it may be something that's in between tangible versus intangible. Maybe it's a relationship, your husband or your wife, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe we see a couple sometimes walking on the road with their girlfriend on their arm. It's like a treasure, you know. My little girl, my little boyfriend. What is it that we value? Think about that. I remember when my kids were toddlers. They had toys. They were things that they treasured a whole lot. And I'm sure many of you who have children, <laughs> or had children, um, can testify to this. They had lots of toys. Take them out with them. They fall on the floor, falls in mud. <laughs> you have to, they want to take it to bed with them as well. So you have to wash it very, very quickly and dry it very, very quickly. And as they grow up, their toys and their treasures change. One of my sons, the eldest one, he's 14, he's big into pens now. That's his treasure. That's his big thing these days. And they say that the only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. <laughs> we all have toys. And in a sense, we're built that way. Jesus starts off with this passage. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. You see, his words are still relevant today. We in Britain are literally storing up our treasure. There are over 1,400 self-storage sites in the UK and over 42 million square feet of storage space. That's about two-thirds of our population. So we can take our entire population in the UK, slice them into two-thirds, one-third, and take the two-thirds and just put them all into storage space. <laughs> and they'll be able to hold. And they'll be able to live there, actually, for quite a while. And we've been storing up stuff in these self-storage containers for many, many years. His words, then, are still relevant today. Why spend so much time working hard for things that are so easily destroyed or damaged or lost? Of course, if we place a high value on money, it would be very hard for you to give it away. If you lose your investments on the stock market, a lot of people suffer severe depression for a very long time if that happens to them. If your car is your pride and joy, then you'll be destroyed if your car is destroyed. If your smartphone is your life, then what happens to your life if you, if, when you lose your phone? 
Our possessions are so easily lost. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, there is where your heart is. So instead of living in the economy of possessions, where the currency is cash or money, live in the economy of the kingdom of God. Amen? That is so, so important. What is the currency of the kingdom of God? It's not cash. It's not a portfolio or or a certificate of, of the stocks that you hold. The currency there is love and grace and generosity, kindness, which is far, far more valuable and much longer lasting. Actually, <laughs> it lasts for eternity. So Jesus is saying here, you know what? These are the secrets of actually getting into heaven. When I was growing up as a young Christian, I always thought that the prize for, or the quote-unquote prize, for becoming a Christian is actually getting into heaven. But this passage is actually saying, actually, heaven is not only your treasure or your prize. Heaven is actually where you'll receive your treasure or your reward for living a good life here on earth. So if you want to get to heaven, (laughs) just read this passage. And let's meditate on it. I know I'm saying it slightly tongue-in-cheek, but there are three very, very simple, quote-unquote, simple things you need to do in order to get to heaven. First off, very, very easy. Be generous with your time. How easy is that? (laughs) Be very generous with your time. I remember when I was growing up in Jamaica, the 12th of September 1988 is etched vividly in my mind. The worst hurricane that ever hit the the entire Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Category 5. Hundreds of people died. Over 300 people died. Sustaining winds and rain and storms and all sorts of stuff for about nine or ten days. And back then, the weather forecasting technology wasn't as advanced as it is now. Now you can track a a hurricane for weeks in advance. Back then, two or three days notice, maximum. So you couldn't really prepare very, very well. And so, of course, Many people lost their lives. Many people lost their livelihoods. Many people lost their homes. And it was actually worse than the hurricanes that we saw on telly last September. Just gone. The worst hurricane ever that flattened the Caribbean back in 1988. It was slightly eclipsed about in 2005, Hurricane Wilma. Just slightly So Hurricane Gilbert was the second, and still is the second, in terms of a league table, 
who monitors or, or <laughs> a league table of, of the worst hurricanes, of the worst storms. It was the second worst storm. And one of the things that impacted me back then was the fact that there were lots of people from all over the Caribbean and in, in Jamaica and also in North America, from Canada and the United States, that came and gave up their time, gave up their livelihoods, gave up their energy to spend time to help to restore lots of these islands. I personally received a shoulder to cry on, you know, um, people got money back, but it took a lot of time. I remember standing at the, at the frame of my front door when, as a mere teenager then. I'm still a young guy, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I remember seeing, we had zinc roofs at the time, I remember seeing zinc roofs being peeled off of these buildings like you would peel a banana and just flying off into the air miles and miles and you hope and pray that those zinc roofs don't actually hit anyone and they did in, by and large sometimes the people died people gave up their time and energy and a lot of Christians actually came together and said you know what, we're going to pray we're going to spread the gospel. This is a wonderful opportunity to just show God's love and grace and kindness, being generous with their time. A lot of them, especially from Canada, gave up their jobs and spent years building those economies in the Caribbean. Can you give your time? How generous are you with your time? You see, Jesus isn't impressed with how much stuff we have, but how we invest our stuff, our time into other people's lives. How do we show love and grace and kindness and mercy to others? You see, when, they, when you love someone as a Christian, you draw them, you draw them closer to Jesus. That person who is saved or that friend who is now closer to Christ just because of your acts of kindness and love that treasure will last forever. So first off, be generous with your time. Second thing is, be generous with your money and your possessions. A lot of times we don't like to talk about money. But the Bible records over 2,500 scriptures about money. Over 2,500. That's a big deal then. It's more than how many times Jesus spoke about love or heaven or hell. Money was a big deal then and it still is a big deal to us now. I've spent the last few years using complex mathematical formulas and models, advising big trustee boards and company boards on managing the investments for their pension funds that they're looking after. So I spend a lot of my time looking at money 
and investment markets. And I'm actually looking forward uh, next Tuesday, where I'm going to be a guest speaker at my, at my children's prep school, to talk to them about the basics of money, how to save, how to spend, but most importantly, how to give, how to give generously. My hope is I'll be sowing small seeds from a very, very tender age. See, the big difference between saving, as we know, is it, it's for the short term. In your bank account, you earn hardly any interest, but it's very, very safe and secure. But the big difference between that and investing is that investing is for the longer term, for the medium to long term. Hopefully, you're going to get a reward for a bigger reward than putting your money in a bank account. But of course, you have to take risk. And there's a different spectrum of risk, from low risk to medium risk to high risk. And of course, the more you diversify your investments in some low risk and different types of risk, then you, you, you kind of minimize or you reduce your risk and hopefully still get a huge reward in the end. But what if I told you that you could invest in an asset that carries absolutely no risk whatsoever and guarantees a return a hundredfold? Would you invest in it? Show of hands. How many of you would invest in that? <laughs> Giving is a form of investing. And that asset is people's lives. That is the asset that is going to give you a huge return for absolutely no risk whatsoever. And it lasts for eternity. A huge, huge reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Willingly, generously and cheerfully enriching other people's lives. So what is the focus in your life? How much time do you spend accumulating stuff, whether tangible or intangible? And how much time do you spend actually investing in other people's lives? Winston Churchill once said, We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said, Earn all you can, save all you can, and then give all you can. And then finally, author C.S. Lewis, well-known author, was known for living only on 10% of his income. And he gave the remaining 90% away to charities in London. So you see, when you buy a Bible and you give it to somebody who doesn't have one. You've stored up treasures in heaven. When you support a charity that spreads the gospel around the world, you've stored up a treasure in heaven. When you feed the poor, or when you help to build a church, you've stored up a treasure in heaven. And that's going to last for eternity. You can't take it with you but you can send it ahead of you by investing in people who are going to get 
to heaven. Some of you may say, well, you know, I, I hardly have any money, so I can't give. Well, actually, <laughs> giving is about your heart. It's not about your money. And if you're going to wait until you get more money before you start giving, it's too late. You need to start giving from now. Giving from, in terms of your time and your money. They say that you know, if you're very stingy when you hardly have any money, if you get money and become rich, you're still going to be stingy. <laughs> right? You're just going to be blown up into a bigger proportion of your stinginess. <laughs> if you're awful before and unkind before you had money, when you have money, you're still going to be unkind. Think about it. My wife, Christine, her family, one of the kindest families that I know, her parents in particular. You know, she comes from a family of six. She has three brothers. And, and they, they, they live with an open house policy. People can just turn up any time of the day, any day of the week, and get food, get money, get clothing, whatever it is. And they can just spend time. As a foreigner, I remember the last time I was here talk, talking about how I'm now a British citizen, but I was a foreigner. Well, I still am a foreigner in a sense. I have dual citizenship. Well, actually, triple citizenship. <laughs> citizenship in heaven, hopefully. A Jamaican citizen and a British citizen. But I remember so many times when I'm offering to my British friends either to pay a meal for them, pay for a meal for them, or... You know, give them some money for something or whatever it is. No, no, it's okay. It's all right. No, don't bother. Are you sure? I'm like, come on. Seriously. Be willing to receive as well. But coming back to my story with, with my in-laws, you know, when, when someone turns up at, at their door and, and says, oh, I was just, you know, in the neighborhood, you know, I'll just spend a quick moment or two with you. And then six hours later, <laughs> they're still there, still, still eating food, still, still enjoying what it is in, in their house. And they hardly have, and back then, they hardly had any money. But one of the things that, that struck me was that, especially on a weekend, they would always prepare enough food for the family, a big pot, and another big pot. <laughs> for the contingencies of people who are, who are going to be coming and visiting later. Because it was almost guaranteed someone is going to be coming. If not that day, for the rest of the week. They were always generous, even though they had little to nothing. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, In everything I did, this is Paul speaking, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Luke 6 verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
If you give little, you will receive little. If you are generous with your giving, despite what you have or despite what you don't have, you will receive a reward. Are you a spender or are you a giver? The other thing to think, it's like an analogy. If you're, if you're holding on to your possessions and your money with clenched fists, how can you receive? But if you're generously giving, your hands are wide open to receive even more. It is better to give than to receive. But still, if you prevent someone from giving by not being willing to receive, they'll be also missing out on their treasure in heaven, on their blessing. They also say, the more you give, the more happy you are. (laughs) So if you're actually preventing someone from giving to you, you're, you're restricting them from getting access to even more happiness as well. So be generous with your time and be generous with your money. The third thing, very, very easy. Be generous with your life. I know, it's not that easy, is it? (laughs) Giving your life away. Dr. David Livingstone, a famous Scottish missionary who lived in the 19th century, He was a missionary explorer who worked all over Africa. He was very passionate about God and he was a fierce advocate for the abolition of slavery. He was well known around the world for his exploits, including the discovery of the Zambezi River. But even more importantly, he was the one who discovered Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe and he named it Victoria Falls. But even more important than that, he invested his life in the kingdom of God by giving up his life and spending most of his time in Africa, particularly southern Africa. And he once said, I will give no value on anything I have or may possess except in relation to the kingdom of Christ. He dedicated his life to be a missionary in Africa and spent so much time just preaching the gospel and sharing his stuff with the fellow Africans who were there. He knew what was valuable and that was people. He gave his life away. He was very generous with his life. Dr. Livingston died kneeling in prayer by his bed with a Bible close to his head. Frankly, I can think of no other way (laughs) to go to heaven and to go to see my father, my savior. And after his death, he was actually buried in two places at once. He was so highly regarded by his friends and his followers that they said, we're not going to return Dr. Livingstone's body to Britain. We're going to keep it here in Africa. And there was a big uproar, a big fight, and there was a comp- compromise in the end. The Africans took out his heart. 
and buried it in Zambia under a tree and sent the rest of his body off to Britain to be buried by Westminster Abbey. You see, they said, Dr. Livingstone's heart is in Africa. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. His treasure was Africa. His treasure was giving his life away. Giving his life generously to people. He had nothing left at the end of his life, apart from a Bible. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to be missionaries. But we're called to be life-giving people for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Investing in other people's lives is storing up treasures for ourselves in eternity. Walking with people when they're lonely, when they're tired, when they're sick, when they're going through a tough time. Mentoring people. I mentor a couple of guys um, in the black community who are struggling with their, with their studies and so on. And, you know, they're doing well in some areas, but not so well, and they need some guidance in life. And I spend some time with them. Of course, I can do a whole lot more. So this message is also for me. Being generous with your time, coaching others, whether it's with your family members, or sharing the gospel with others, but just being, you know, it is so easy to give money away to a charity. There's so many charities to give to. How do you choose? But when you actually have to give your time and your life and all your resources to others, you're storing up treasures in heaven. A huge reward. No risk whatsoever. (laughs) Guaranteed a return. Forever in eternity. And finally, Jesus ends his sermon by saying, you cannot love God and money. You see, money shows what you really trust the most. In what or in whom is your security? Do you trust in your money for security? Or do you trust in God for your security? Do you trust in money to provide happiness? Or do you trust in God for your happiness? Or do you trust in money to make you feel good about yourself? Or do you trust in God to make you feel good about yourself? Money is the acid test of your faith. Proverbs 11, verse 28 says, Those who trust in their riches will fall. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. So if you serve God, you can't serve money. If you serve money, you can't serve God. It's one or the other. You know, one day, we're all going to die. And imagine when you get to heaven, there are hundreds of people, you know, clapping 
for you to say, hey Trevor, hey Joan, hey, come on, you welcome in. Because of you, we're here. Because of how, how much you invested your time and your money and your life in me, I'm here because of that. Maybe indirectly, maybe directly. Maybe indirectly through a charity or some other means. But because of you, I'm here. So we get to spend eternity together. Thank you so much for investing in my life. Thank you so much for living for God. Because of you, I'm here. I don't want to send anyone on a guilt trip. But is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? Because of how much time you invested in them? Or how much of your money you invested in them? How much of your life you invested in them? Jesus clearly wants us to spend eternity with him. And he gives us a clear guidance of how to do just that. By living a simpler lifestyle. Not bogged down with our possessions or our money or anything else around us that moths and vermin can destroy. But to store up our treasures in heaven. And finally to close, John D. Rockefeller he was a Baptist, one of the wealthiest Americans of all time. And he's famous for being a philanthropist. And he gave most of his money away. One of the wealthiest men. And he said, think of giving not as a duty, but as a privilege. Amen.